Amen, amen. Hey, if you would, grab your Bible and get to Ephesians chapter 5 this morning. Ephesians 5. Uh, we come to such a crucial part of this study and this letter that we're studying out of God's Word. It's, it's, uh, uh, the, the instruction and the direction turns to families. Uh, turns to marriages, and, and then next week turns to uh, some instruction for children and some instruction for parents. And so um, as we come to this family section of the letter, I just want to uh, reiterate and highlight some opportunities outside of Sunday morning uh, for us as a church to be strengthening families. As, as Pastor Brian said, uh, I can't emphasize enough that we gather Tuesday and uh, we gather around God's word and then we pray into uh, the family unit. We we pray for strength in marriages. We pray for our children. We pray that our families would be all that God wants them to be. And so uh, uh, look at your calendar this week and prioritize your week around being able to gather with God's people uh, to pray for our families. Do we need to pray for our families and our culture? We got to. We got to. And so let's gather for that. And then um, I also want to make you aware of something you might not be aware of. Um, one of the greatest needs of our area, and I'm sure you know this, and, and really every area around our country right now, is the need for fostering. The need to, to, to open up our homes uh, to uh, foster children who are in, in need of a home. And, uh, and, and so I just want to put that out there to start, um, that God would move in your heart. And if so, if God is moving in your heart, that you would open your heart uh, to uh, foster uh, children in our area. Uh, God's people got to step up in this area and got to be willing to open our homes for this. And, and now you might hear that and you, you might pray about it and you might go, we don't sense God is calling us to foster in this season. Well, you need to know about something. A couple members of our church, they have their own ministry uh, built around this. It's called Care Communities. And so there's a number of families in our church that are already fostering. Uh, but fostering is a, it's, it's a high calling. And it's a lot of energy output. And so what we do as a church is we surround uh, them with other families and people who can help hold their arms up as they're fostering, who can come help clean their house, can come help with child care. And so um, if you're like, hey, we might not be ready to foster in this season, but, but almost all of us in this room can step up to be part of a care community. Am I right about that? Hold up the arms of those God has called to foster. And those, this is a ministry entirely run by members of our church. It's beautiful. It's awesome. The stories coming out of it are awesome. And so if you want to know more about that, uh, write down these emails right here. Patty Rabino, Teresa Anderson. Get these emails down and send a note this week. Who's going to send a note this week? Come on. Who's going to send? Let's go. Hands in the air. Because we got to hold up the arms of these families that God has called into this great calling of fostering. And so get these emails down right here. If you miss them, uh, get, get with me or someone after uh, the service, and um, we'll get after that. There's something fun uh, when you're uh, in the store or you're somewhere, and uh, you run into a young couple you know, and they've been married three months, and, and uh, you're catching up, and you go, hey, how's marriage? And they're like, Awesome. We knew it would be so good, but we had no idea that it's going to be this good, and it's so much fun, and I get to come home every night to my best friend, and it's like, and you just listen, and you smile, and you walk away, and what do you say to yourself? Honeymoon stage. <laughs> honeymoon stage. Yet don't despise the honeymoon stage. There's something that God wants to instruct in us in that. There's something that God wants to illumine in the hearts of those of us who've been married a little longer to go, and that's, what if that's what God wants for this? 
There's something equally as powerful when you're at the wedding reception and uh, they're like, all, all, the mar- all the married couples on the dance floor, all the married couples on the dance floor, if, if you're open to dancing at the wedding reception. And then they go, hey, if you've been married five years, five years or less, you know, off the dance floor, 10 years or less off the dance floor, and it just keeps going up, keeps going up, keeps going up, and you have, you have a couple out there and they're moving slow. You know, and it gets done. They're like, how long have you been married? 57 years. The whole room erupts in applause. And even the unbelievers in the room erupt in applause because they know there's something special about that. The, the, The steadfast endurance of the highs of marriage and of the lows of marriage. And the whole place is going nuts because that's powerful. And there's something equally as beautiful of the wrestle and the toil and the struggles of the marriages that are in between those two poles. Seven years in and it's hard. Twelve years in and it's hard. Fifteen years in and you're like, I thought we knew each other and I feel like we're just, we're just getting to know each other. And yet the mar- they're fighting and they're scratching and they're clawing and, and it's hard. And they're sitting on the couch at the end of the day and they're talking. And it's like we don't even understand each other and yet we still keep talking. And they're fighting for God's highest and best for their marriage. And that's beautiful. And it's worth it. Because listen, y'all. We have to have a higher view for marriage. We have to let our view for marriage align with what God says about marriage. And that's what we get from the Lord today. We get an awesomely high and wonderful calling to Christian wives. And we get a wonderfully high and awesome calling to Christian husbands. And and, and we just got to know that every great marriage resource out there, every great book on the topic, every, every great sermon on the topic, it doesn't just give us the practical tools in our tool belt. It elevates our view for marriage as a whole. It paints the the grandeur of what God has created it to be. And my prayer for us today is that this this wouldn't just be the practical tools to husbands and wives, but it'd be an elevation of our view of marriage so that it aligns with why God has given this awesome covenant that is called marriage. And so eyes up today as we walk through God's word and align our view of marriage with what God has has to say about marriage. So we align our expectations as wives to what God says about it, that we align our expectation as husbands to what God has to say about it. So wives, a high calling, a high and wonderful and glorious calling coming to you today. Husbands, a high and wonderful and glorious calling coming to you today. And now uh, singles in the room, let me just say this. God has really, really, really high things to say about singleness. And so if you're sitting out here today and you're like, I'm not married, is this message for me? Let me tell you it is. And there's a couple reasons why it is. One being that this is a potential investment in your future for what the Lord has. And I realize some of you are wrestling right now going, I wish God would make our, my future quicker and bring someone along. I get that. But this is a potential investment in your future. But let me tell you why else this is for you. Because God has some high things to say about marriage. 
And this needs to instruct you on how you come alongside your married brothers and sisters in the faith and encourage them in this high calling that God has given to them. Married folks in the room, then when we come across passages in Scripture that elevate the view of singleness and celebrate that, then it's our job, married couples in the room, to come alongside our single brothers and sisters in the faith and hold their arms up for what God has called them to. This is a coming alongside one another reality. And so, singles in the room, God has words for you and this as well. Pray with me. Let's ask for God's help. Father, Lord, we need this desperately. We need to hear from you. Lord, get my thoughts out of the way. Let your word be set center place. And would your spirit guide our hearts as we walk through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. First, first thing, let's talk to the wives. Wives, submit to your husbands as the church submits to Christ. Now, is that my point? Is that my idea? Or is that God's idea? Verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, there's some things we got to understand about this because um, um, our, I don't know if you know this or not, but our Bible wasn't originally written in English. Did you know that? Wasn't originally written in English. Jesus didn't speak English. It's crazy. And so um, um, when, when, when we come to our English Bible, uh, we're coming to a translation. And now I want you to know, and I want you to have great confidence, our English translations are crazy reliable. Praise God for that. But sometimes, and what the translators do to help us understand what we're reading is, is they'll put things in our Bible like headers. And so in your Bible, above verse 22, do you have a, like a header there, a section header? What, what are some of your section headers say? Paul didn't write that section header. And so uh, verse 21 flows directly into verse 22. Remember, we're reading a letter, and so we're understand, we got to understand the whole flow of it. And remember, we are in a flow right now of, 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 of what, what do people who are filled with the Spirit look like? And last week, we looked at that. Uh, people filled with the Spirit are singing people. They're thankful people. And then verse 21 told us, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. They, they, God, the Holy Spirit gives us power to submit, to arrange ourselves under those that God has put over us in different ways. Now, coming right out of verse 21, we find verse 22, wives, submit to, to, to who? Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. I said it last week, I want to say it again. Um, this word submit, it literally means to arrange under. Paul uses it 23 times in his writings, and each of the times that we find it, uh, Paul is, uh, Paul is uh, unpacking uh, an order that God gives to things. And so what we have here is God's intention for a spiritual leadership in the home. And we're, uh, we're going to unpack more of what that means and what that doesn't mean. But what we do have, and we got to say this, is this is God's intention for spiritual leadership in the home. And so empowered by the Holy Spirit, a Jesus-following wife brings herself, arranges herself under 
her husband as a spiritual leader in the home. And now hear me, hear me. I want to make sure this is so clear. Two people equal before God, both image bearers called to distinct gospel displaying responsibilities in the marriage covenant. Let me say that again. Two people equal before God, bearing his image, both bearing his image, called to distinct gospel displaying responsibilities in the marriage covenant. And it's beautiful and it's awesome. And, 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 and depending on what background you come from, or some of you are like, what? Hold on, hold on. What's this? I thought I liked this church. <laughs> Hear me, it's beautiful. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the strongest women you know in the Lord the most faithful women you know, the most virtuous women you know, you watch them do this beautifully. Now, it's really important because I think this has been twisted, especially in church culture. We don't want to be twisted on this in our church culture. You with me? This can't get jacked up. There's a really important word in here. Wives submit to... 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 Owns a big word in here. Wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Christian wives in the room right now, you are called by God to submit to your own husbands. You're not called to submit to, to, to men in general, to someone else. You submit to your man. So God's got some order he's put in place. He's got some order he's put in place and uh, church leadership structures. We'll get to theirs. We study the pastoral epistles, Lord willing, in the near future. He's got some order he's put in place within the family structure, but it's a big deal. Wives submit to your own husband. John Piper says this about uh, that right there. That means there's a uniquely fitting submission to your own husband that is not fitting in relation to other men. You are not called to submit to all men the way you do to your husband. It's a big deal. And I think sometimes church cultures get, get twisted on this a bit. So hear what the word of the Lord says on it. Now, we've talked about the what. What's, what's the what? Wives, submit to your own husbands. That's, that's what God is calling you to do, but you got to understand why. Again, it's so important we understand. What's the why to this? Why has God set it up like this? What is God trying to accomplish in this within our marriages? Verse 23 uh, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Why has God given this command? Or, or, or was this just a command for that cultural moment in which Paul's writing, for that culture of Paul's day? Eric and I uh, were in our first couple of years of our marriage, and we were at a, a wedding of a friend of mine from growing up, and we drove up to Michigan. We uh, walked into the, the venue the wedding was at, and uh, a priest stood up to marry these two, and he came to Ephesians chapter 5, and he said, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. And he put out a smile on his face, and he looked to the bride, and he said, Now you don't really need to do that. That's a command for that day and that time. You are not bound by that command. Wives, I'm making the opposite argument before you today. 
And I want you to see God's word of why I'm making that argument. Paul's reasoning for this beautiful and high calling of submission is not rooted. The reasoning he gives is not rooted because we want you to just be a good citizen within the cultural moment of our day. His reasoning for this is you get to display something beautiful. You get to display something beautiful about the gospel. As the church, his reasoning is as the church submits to Christ, as the church comes under the headship of Jesus Christ, you get to display to a broken and watching world the posture, the beautiful posture of the church and how you obey this command right here. And it transcends cultural moments and it transcends cultural norms. And this is a high thing that God has called you to hear. And it takes, as I've already said, spirit-filled, spiritually strong, virtuous women of God to joyfully arrange under and say, in doing so, I get to display to this world how the church comes under the headship of Christ. Now, listen, just a timeout, listen. If you're like, That is so hard for me because my husband is anything but modeling leadership like Christ. I'm coming to what the husband is called to. And let's let God's word pin husbands to the ground with what he's called them to. Now, I think it's important as we talk about this, especially in the time we live where like this is, you know, not a, maybe the most popular teaching is, and, and, and seeking to understand what submission is, I think we got to understand what it's not. So let's talk about what submission is not. And these are taken, stolen straight from John Piper's book, This Momentary Marriage. If you've not read that book, read that book. And I think it's important that we understand these things. The first thing he says is this, uh, submission is not agreeing with everything the husband says and all the wives said, Amen. It's not agreeing with everything the husband says. When you got married, you did not lay at the altar all of your opinion, thoughts, discernment, and your will for things. And husbands, if if that's what you thought it meant, repent right now. Laughing and conviction, right? (laughs) Laughing. But seriously... I had a jacked up understanding of that early in our marriage. Erica and I went through a super, super stressful financial thing early on. I don't, first couple years, I'll leave out the details. It'll bring us back to just some, (laughs) whoa, that was hard. And uh, um, just got, got news super like, you know, at that time, you know, you're making peanuts and like I thought it was gonna wreck us financially. And so, like, I, you know, I tell her, here's what's going on. I go out to the garage to fiddle, right? Just, what are you doing out there, fiddling? Just, and, like, really, I'm praying to the Lord. I'm talking. I'm like, God, you, what do we do? You have to. And, and I've really felt clearly that the Lord gave some clear direction in this. And so I walked back in the house, and I said, here's what we're doing. And she said, I have some thoughts on that. I'm like, the Lord has spoken. Here's what we're doing. And she's like, I, but... I think I see some things here. And just, I shut it down, shut it down, shut it down, shut it down. All the men say, fail, fail, fail. 
And I'm telling you, it took weeks, I think weeks, weeks, until finally I humbled myself. We sat on the couch, we turned and faced each other, and I heard my wife out. And once you know it, she had some really good ideas. <laughs> I said, why didn't I think of that? Amen. Amen. Thank you. This does not mean agreeing with everything the husband said. Second thing, and we've touched on this, is related. This does not mean leaving your brain or will at the altar. Husbands, God has given you a perfect helpmate for you. Your wives see things you'll never see. Listen to their discernment. You know that freaky sixth sense thing they have? Erica's like, don't confide that person. He's an axe murderer. I'm like, what? You're so judgmental. Six months later, dude's murdering people with accidents. I'm like, how'd you know? How'd you know? She's like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So it's not mean leaving your brain or will at the altar. All God's people say, this does not mean avoiding every effort to change the husband. It's really important. I love all the laughing. <laughs> it's really important, though. This does not mean avoiding every effort to change the husband. Submission does not mean, yeah, I see all these ungodly traits in my husband, but I'm just supposed to. It's okay. Hey, here's, it's okay to go to your husband and say, here's some areas I think you need to grow. And with God's help, I'm right here with you, and we're, let's go. Let's get after this. This does not mean putting the will of the husband before the will of Christ. Come on. Your husband asking you to sin, Jesus wins out on that. Your husband puts you in compromising situations, you obey the will of Christ. And we got your back as a church in that. We got your back as a church in that. And if your husband's got you in a dangerous situation right now, we got your back, we got your back as a church in that. You come tell us. This does not mean the wife gets her personal spiritual strength primarily through the husband. Again, early on in marriage, I thought being the spiritual leader of my home meant that we, we like have to do devotions together. And by together, I meant like I read the word to her. Now, if that works for you, that works for you. But I'm like, okay, you know, let's, let's, let's read the word of God. John chapter one says, you know, and she's like, one day she's like, I, I can't do this. Like, I need to read this for myself. Like, I need to, and, and guys, I was so jacked up in some of these things. Well-intentioned, but it, it wasn't working for us. Ladies, you get to pursue hard after Jesus Christ as the primary one pouring into your spiritual vitality. Last thing does not mean the wife is to act out of fear. As we get to what God says to the husband's, we're going to see that the husband's call to spiritual leadership is not based in fear. It's based in love. And perfect love casts out fear. So we got to understand what it's not. Now, a, a few things before I move on to the husband. Some practical things, ladies, that I would love to give to you. First one is this. Will you pray for God to instruct your heart on these things? Ask for the Spirit's help to instruct your heart on these things. Ask for the help of the Holy Spirit to know, God, what does this look like lived out in our marriage? I need your help for this. Another practical thing I would give you, uh, just uh, study this more. 
I would commend to you chapter 8 of Piper's book, This Momentary Marriage. I would commend that to you. I think it elevates the high calling of this in a beautiful way. I would commend to you what other women have written on this topic. You'll find articles on the Gospel Coalition, on DesiringGod.com. Go to those websites, type in uh, you know, something around these keywords and read what other women have written and said about this. And then most importantly, most importantly, most importantly, I would commend to you that the older and the younger wives need to connect around this command in a Titus 2 way. I need more amens on that. The older and younger wives need to connect around these words right here in a Titus 2 way. So younger wives in the room, get your eyes up and start looking around and, and going, I need to talk to some, some, some wives who've walked this road longer than I have. I need to understand what this looks like lives out in this, their marriage and what it doesn't look like, and I, I need their help. If you're part of a discipleship group, go to someone who's more seasoned in marriage than you and talk about this. If you're part of a discipleship group and you're all kind of at the same marriage stage of life, uh, brainstorm this week going like, what other discipleship groups are out there? And they might be farther along in general. Let's, in, let's do a let's do a Combine discipleship group night and just talk about these things. And if you need help brokering a relationship with someone who's more, you're like, I don't know people here, reach out, raise your hand and say, can you help me? Because the older women need to be instructing the younger women and the older men need to be instructing the younger men. We need each other in this. We need each other in this. So I commend these things to you. Now, husbands, Wives, you get the beautiful invitation that's been laid down in your call to display a grand picture of church, the church's relationship to Christ. Now, husbands, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Husbands, look at the paragraph devoted to wives here in verse 22, starting in verse 22. Just look at the size of it. Now, husbands, Look at the size, starting in verse 25, devoted to you. You've been elbowing your wife, the first part of the message, hey, listen up, listen up, listen up. The Holy Spirit's got an elbow coming for us in a beautiful, awesome way, in a way that I hope breaks us and breaks us for the purpose of deeper Jesus-like love. Verse 25, husbands, what's it say, guys? Love who? Husbands, love your wives. How? As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Husbands, love your wives. How? As Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? He gave himself up for her. So what is love? This is love. It's an agape love. It's a giving love. Why say it when you can show it? Husbands, we want to know what love looks like? It looks like this. Every day, opening our eyes, taking the posture of a servant, getting low, and following the way of our Savior and how we love our wives. So how did Christ love? He came down. He condescended. 
He emptied himself. He had no place to lay his head. He came to serve and not to be served. He took up the towel and the basin and washed feet. He submitted himself to the Father. He absorbed the scorn of humanity. He subjected himself to the flogging and he took up his cross. And then we're invited as husbands to model his love for his bride that he showed in how we love our bride in the same way. And we're to follow him in this. I sat across the table from another young husband, another young husband bemoaning how hard marriage is, and she just doesn't understand. And, you know, I had more compassion than that in the moment, I promise. So I listen, I listen, I listen, I listen, I listen. And, and, and there are times you need to encourage the faint-hearted, but this dude needed rebuked. And so I said, do you want to know the secret? Here, do you want it? You want the secret of a, of a healthy marriage, a thriving marriage? You want the secret? He said, yeah, tell me the secret. What's the secret? What's the secret sauce? I said, here it is. Rise and die. Next words out of his mouth, that sounds awful. And I said, you know what? Your marriage will be awful until that sounds beautiful. The fact of the matter is he was sacrificing more for time with his Xbox than time with his wife. You're like, are you talking about my husband? No, 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 no one in this room, I promise. This isn't only a sacrificing love, this is a sanctifying love. Look back, eyes in your Bible. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might what? That, that, that Christ might sanctify his bride, the church, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Is your sacrificial love for your bride creating an environment for her to be sanctified, for her to grow, for her to grow in Christ's likeness? And, and as I've said before, ladies, you have a responsibility before the Lord for your own spiritual growth. But husbands, as the leaders in our homes, we're to create an environment for the sanctification of our bride. Is the word of God washing over your house? Is the word of God washing over your house? Is the word of God washing over your wife? Are you praying for your wife? Are you praying God's word over her? Are you praying with her? Are you in God's word together? Are you talking about what God is teaching you? Will you have led in your marriage in such a way that one day that you've stewarded this reality that one day your bride will stand before Christ? Have you stewarded your call of spiritual leadership in your house and in your marriage in that way. Lead in this, die for this, men. Men, I want to encourage you, you'll never arrive at this. By the providence of God, he's the one who's instructed me to preach this message to this church, but I want to tell you something, I've not arrived in this, and neither of you. There will never be a day in your life you'll open your eyes and say, I've done it. I have loved my wife like Christ loved the church. And if you think you have, just ask her. <laughs> but this sacrificing and sanctifying love is what Christ has called us to. And now you live this out in this beautiful 
one flesh reality of what God does, this miracle of bringing two and making them one. Verse 28, in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own, bo- own flesh, but a couple key words here, but what, but what? But nourishes and, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. This, we, we live out this love of our wives and this miracle that God does of taking two and making them one. Do you believe in that miracle? Do you believe in that miracle? And we're to nourish and we're to cherish that miracle. Are those words that can be used to describe your marriage? To describe you as a husband, you're nourishing and you're cherishing. Or are you devouring one another? Here's the deal, right? Hard seasons of marriage come. So Eric and I have heard, never experienced it, right? But no, I'll tell you what, year five of marriage, hard. We went another round of hard about year 10. Hard. And if... Jesus knocked on the door. He'd ask for the man of the house, and he'd he'd say, Brock, are the words nourish and cherish part of your vocabulary right now? And they weren't. Because problems arise and hard times come, and what happens is we start to devour each other instead of using all that energy God gives us in that season to attack the problem and nourish and cherish each other. Lead in this. It's awesome. And this paragraph ends, raising our eyes for how awesome it is. Verse 31, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother. This was not planned. It could get me in trouble, but I got to say it. Uh, moms and dads, let your sons and daughters leave father and mother and hold fast together. Don't get in the way of that. As we come to this part of premarital counseling, I always say, this is where I wish the moms and dads could sit in the room. It's so important. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Thank you, God. This mystery is profound, ain't it? Ain't that a profound mystery? And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. (laughs) However, let each one of you love his wife as himself. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. How beautiful is this? How beautiful is this? It's awesome. It's joy-inducing. Guess what? At times it's hard. And guess what? In those times it's worth it. In all the right ways. So husbands, practical things for you. I know, right? We just like, what do I do, man? Right? Like, here it is. Will you pray every day for God to help you? I'll come to these. I'll come to these in a minute. But before that, will you pray? Will you pray every day for God to help you with this calling right here? Every day when your eyes open up, God, help me love my wife like Christ loved the church today. Help me take up the towel in the basin and have a heart posture of washing feet today. Second thing, will you, I just want to challenge you with this. Will you pick a gospel? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, pick a gospel. And will you begin reading through this gospel with this question in mind? How does Christ love? How does Christ love? If I'm commanded to love like Christ, I need to understand. I need to look at his life and I need to ask, how did Christ love? How did he talk? How did he serve? 
How did he lead? Pick a gospel and read it this way. How does Christ love? And then these, this last thing here, I need you to evaluate. We need to all evaluate how we're doing with these things. How are we doing at loving our wives with time, with talk, with our touch? How are we doing at loving our wives with time, with talk, with touch? Let's talk about time. Husbands, go home and be home. Go home and be home. Go home and be home. A lot of temptation for us to not go home and just be with our wives, be with our kids. The temptation can be work. The temptation to overwork. You're finding a lot of validation in your work. You're getting a lot of accolades. And then you're, you go home and babies just spit up on you. Or there's conflict to be led through. And the temptation is just to stay at the office, to stay at the office, to stay at the office. Man up and go home. And be home. And guys, it's good for us to have hobbies. It's good for us to have hobbies. I have none. i got to find one. It's good for us to have hobbies. But if it's, you know, if Monday, if it's Monday night football with the boys, and then golf league on Tuesday night, and then softball league on Wednesday night, and then go home and be home. Our families need us home. I'm, I'm not casting, I, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty for hobbies that you have, but we got to evaluate where we're spending the bulk of our time. You with me? How we loving our wives with our talk. Okay, you know, old school thought is like real men aren't vulnerable. Real men aren't transparent. It's bull. Let's just call that lie out. Is it hard to get vulnerable with your wife, guys? Eric and I were having a conversation, I don't know, the last few months. And she's like, tell me how you really feel about dot, dot, dot. And I'm like, really? Like, you really want me to tell you how I feel about it? Yeah, I really want you to tell. It's hard. But we got to talk to our wives. We got to carve out time to talk to our wives. And in different seasons of life, that is really hard. You got little kids running around. It's hard to get any, any times of quiet. And by the time all the kids are in bed, all you want to do is just veg out. We got to talk to our wives. We got to plan times away, date nights away. Dare I say weeks away without kids if you have kids to just get time. Erica and I try the best we can to spend a week every year away from the kids, just her and I. And at some point, every time we do this, we'll get about midweek, and she'll look over and she'll say, I remember why I fell in love with you. <laughs> I just told her, we just had one of those, and I said, hey, I still haven't got the I remember why I fell in love with you yet. We got to talk, we got to talk, we got to talk. And then the last thing I'll say is we got to love our wives with our touch. As it pertains to intimacy in our marriage, guys, we can be so selfish. We can approach that areas of our marriage with selfish hearts rather than hearts to serve. Let's ask God to change that in us. Let's nourish and cherish and come with a posture of serving in this area of touch, in this area of intimacy within our marriage. Amen? 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 Who's convicted? Who's challenged yet? All of us, right? Thank you, Lord, for your word and guiding us in this. You need help in this? 
Guess what? All of our marriages hit seasons where we need help. I shared ours, you're five, you're 10. We're like, what is going on? Why is this so hard? You need help in this? Couple of things. Uh, you gotta have Christian community around you. If you're not part of a discipleship group, you need to get in one. And you need to open your, open your hearts enough to say, here are the, the struggles we have in our marriage. Here's what we gotta process through together with fellow believers. And so much health can come just from having Christian community in your life to process through some of the difficult things of marriage. And then if you're in a really intense season, you really need help, you need to write this email down. Soul care, soul care at redeemerbible.church. If today you need to, 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 to raise the flag and say, please help us, we need help. Soul care at redeemerbible.church. Let's get in the trenches with you and let's see God bring the restoration he so desires in our marriage. Higher view, higher view, higher view of this awesome covenant. God calls marriage. Don't ever let people rag on the covenant of marriage and don't you rag on the covenant of marriage. Is it hard at times? Oh yeah. Is it worth it all the time? Oh yeah. Let's elevate our view for this. Fitting way to close. All of our eyes on Jesus. Husbands, eyes on Jesus. Wives, eyes on Jesus. The one who must do the work of knitting our heart together. The one who gives, the, gives us the power for us to keep our covenant because he went to the cross and made a way for a new covenant. So as we prepare to take the elements in communion and remember his sacrifice on the cross and just so we remember what this is, this is the regular time we set aside as his followers who believe that he has come and died for our sin. He has shed his blood, paying the penalty for all of our sin, that if we believe in him, we will not perish, we will not die and spend eternity separated from him, but we will live with him forever in heaven. This is what we believe, and this is what we're remembering. We're remembering his sacrifice on the cross. This is a time for those who are true followers of Jesus. And for those true followers of Jesus, this is a time for us to examine ourselves and not approach the Lord's table in an unworthy way. So let's do that in these moments right here, examining our hearts. God maybe even has some things in light of the passage we looked at today. Let's examine, let's confess. Let's praise him for his grace and mercy as we do.